I'm Anthony Walsh. This is the Roadman Cycling Podcast, a show where we empower you with tools to optimize your health, happiness, and longevity. It's episode 691. It's Friday and Sarah's back. It's newbie questions. Here's a little sample of what awaits you today. Question, Sarah. Not for me, but for a mate. It's definitely him, right? So this, <laughs> I knew oh, you were going to say that. When you complete an Ironman, then you will be qualified to, to say might, that. I'm going to tomorrow and do it. It's just going out all day exercising. There is a female version as well. I can't remember. D's lips. Oh, oh, God. D's lips and D's nuts. It wasn't called D's nips. So I made that up. But. Jackson. Sarah, welcome back to the hot seat. Your new improved setup. You're getting more pro every week. Yeah, it's, I finally made it. But you, I don't know, would you turn the heat on in the studio? No. <laughs> it's a bit cold in here. I, this is this constant battle that Anthony and I have. I think it's one that's mirrored in every single household and every single country that's a little bit cold or hot, maybe. It's a fight with the thermometer. You pay the bill and you can put the heat on <laughs> as much do. as you want. <laughs> You're like, well, you're living under my roof. <laughs> She's the heating on and the windows open. We're having a cold snap here in Dublin. I went up the mountains today, fully intending on having uh, a full <laughs> full afternoon on the mountain bike and had to come home with my tail between my legs. Let me stop you there. You weren't fully intending. You didn't even pack half the stuff you needed to go because you're like, oh, we'd probably end up just going for coffee. So you didn't bring <laughs> tar levers, pump, Garmin, water bottle, basically all, a bike. <laughs> I was going to hire a bike. I was meeting a friend I hadn't seen, Leah, how are you going? For a while. So it was kind of like, we may go mountain biking, we may just sit down and have a big catch up and the latter happened. But it is absolutely freezing here in Dublin. Apparently, you've heard it here first, the schools are out today. So kids, go home. Enjoy the snow day. So this is Sarah's 50th appearance on Newbie Questions. It may or may not be her 50th appearance, <laughs> but it's the 48th time she's mentioned the weather inside the I'm first 60 Irish. seconds. I'm Irish. That's all we talk about. <laughs> Anthony, it was such a cool week on the podcast this week. I absolutely loved Louis Ravolo. He is the Ironman, the ultra marathon runner. He is... 21 years sober and his story was amazing. You were, I think you found that interview a little bit emotional. You could, I could hear you like crack your voice cracking as you were talking to him because he really draws you into his story. I recommend anyone goes and listens to that. Lucky we didn't have video. Well, we do have video. I'm not sure if we're going to release the video of it yet. The YouTube channel still we said the start of quarter two, we're going to launch our little YouTube project with the new studio. I think we're still tracking for that. We may use the video, but if you've seen the video, my eyes were totally tearing up during that conversation. It was a hard, hard conversation. Yeah, he's wonderful. I love the way he's so open about all of the mistakes and all of the things he did wrong. He really has embraced facing up to his past so he can live a better future in a way. But wow, he's an inspiration. And do you know what? The other thing that he's really cool about, and if you follow him on Twitter, he's his Twitter page is brilliant. But he, I think he's probably in his mid-50s, Anthony, is he? And he's late, a real, 50s. late 50s. He is in some nick. And he's such an inspiration for people who come to endurance sport or sport a little bit later in life and you kind of think, oh, I'm never going to be able to do an Ironman. I'm never going to be able to do a marathon. And this guy, he's done it all. He's very inspiring. No one ever thinks they're not going to be able to do an Ironman. 
It's just, <laughs> it's just a long training day. Stop uh, stop for a break if you need to. When you complete an Ironman, then you will be qualified to, to say might, that. I might go out tomorrow and do one. <laughs> just going out all day exercising, just moving for the day. It's not and, a race. It's like a grand fondo. Uh, Anthony, do you use chamois cream? I know the, the answer to this, but... I've gone through periods of using chamois cream. I know you ran this poll on your Twitter. Is this what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've gone through periods of using chamois cream. I kind of got seduced by a former pro cyclist, Dave Zabritsky. Yeah, he he launched a chamois cream called, so his name is Dave Zabritsky, so his initials are DZ, and he launched a chamois cream called D's Nuts. That's good. And on the back of it, he had quite a seductive instruction set where he encouraged users to light a candle, put on some romantic music, (laughs) drop their pants to their ankles and apply liberally. There was a female version as well. I can't remember. D's lips. Oh, oh God. D's lips and D's nuts. It wasn't called D's nips. I made that up. But. Jackson. Uh, well, this poll that I ran on Twitter, it, I, I asked you people, you shaming cream. It's a split straight down the middle. I have never asked anybody on our Roadman Cycling Spin if they use chamois cream. They don't seem like chamois cream, lighting a candle, dropping the pants and applying slowly but liberally. <laughs> they don't seem like that kind of a cream. You'd be surprised what people do in the privacy of their own home though, to get a kick. <laughs> I know. I th- Look, lads, Roadman, be careful. I'm going to ask you that this weekend. Talking about Roadman, into the race season, we cracked into it last week. How did you get on? I was fairly glued to the road, if I'm honest. Uh we had what we call the rolling in the years attack me and one of the roadman coaches, Sean McKenna, who we both used to be decent in like 2017. So we were singing the rolling in the years team song as we attacked. Basically, the the ambition had gone out of the group at that point. Let's just say it. the break was gone up the road and we got kind of caught in no man's land between break and bunch in a sort of semi-purgatory. It's a lot of fun though. Yeah, and you know what? It's only the first race of the season. So there's <laughs> there's a lot of room for growth, Anthony. Don't hang up your cleats just yet. I want to give a shout out to Connor Lally, who's it was his first race that weekend and he came six in his group. So we are expecting big things in the future from young Lal. It was really cool seeing the Roadman crew, seeing this little podcast that we set up talking into a microphone. And then as the podcast grew, it got a little bit of local support which grew into a local group ride. And then as that grew, a portion of that group ride had an interest in racing. And now we have Roadman racing jerseys in, I think we had a four race, a three race, a two race, and the A1 race. We had representation across all the races at the weekends, which was amazing to watch. I was emotional seeing like this little thing that we've built there, tangible. And I, as everyone knows, I'm a, I'm a bit of a hugger, which people can kind of find a little bit disarming at times. So I was like giving everyone hugs and ah, it was just a great buzz. It's, will you stay away from the younger lads like Connor Lally? Because he was saying to me, you have a female Jimmy Savile vibe off you. You're only as old as the young fella you're feeling. <laughs> Said Jimmy Savile. Let's move on a little bit then. Talking about young fellas. What about Pagacha and Vingegaard in Paris-Nice this week? It's a bit hard to glean too much into it this early in the season. What are we, March? Tours not till July, and that's their big objective. Obviously, people want to do well in Paris-Nice, but essentially, you don't know where people are at in their training blocks. And I've seen, we have a question later on about racing into shape, and we'll get into it a little bit more at that. But a lot of these riders will use these races as preparation, like 
people would use training as preparation. So hard to know their motivation just because they're both there doesn't mean they're both there with Paris-Nice as an objective. So I would say it's you can glean very little into the battle that's going on. Yeah, exactly. It's obviously a huge race and to have that on your how do I say it? Palm, Palmares? Palmares. Palmares. You haven't got one, that's why you <laughs> No, I don't have one. I think it's a bit late in the day now for me to, to, to build a Palmares. But it is a cool race and something that people do want to win. But yeah, I think Vingard from watching him over the last couple of days is keeping his cards play, pretty close to his chest. Before you move on to newbie questions, I've got a question. You went mountain biking today or apparently you went mountain biking with no bike and no kit you went up to have a coffee on a mountain bike trail did you remember to get the keys of the car we lost what's this wee business you lost the key (laughs) you lost the key the last time we were up there we had to basically camp out in the jeep for about eight hours until somebody came and rescued us i'm still getting over it i caught pneumonia but yes i did get the key all is forgiven by the way i'm not angry at all about that Okay, this is from Mark Archibald. I love this question. Anthony, have you ever used the first few races of the race season to get into shape? I didn't have the best training block in the lead up to the season, but still want to target races in a few months. Would it be better to just start training on my own, doing structured sessions, or use races as a way to get fighting fit? It's a time-honored tradition using races to get into shape. People have been starting to move away from it a little bit. We're starting to see riders who show up for their first race, and that might be, you know, six, seven races into the season, and they show up and they're ready to win because away from racing, they're mimicking the demands of racing in their training so brilliantly that they're showing up to races fully prepared and at a peak of fitness. We're seeing this sometimes coming up to the tour. People are disappearing to altitude for weeks, if not months before priority events. But for an amateur, I think you also got to factor in motivation because pros have unlimited motivation. They have a paycheck to get out the door and ride their bike every day. They have an infrastructure of support around them that facilitates that. And we don't always have that. So motivation can be hard. It can be hard to get out the door and mimic the demands of racing on a training session on your own on a Saturday morning. Often it's easier to just pack the bike into the car and go to a race. The only thing is you'll need to park your ego and manage your expectations because if you're going to the race and you're expecting to win every week while you're on the build-up and you're training, that's not going to happen. So it's actually something I'm kind of doing myself at the moment. I was in really good shape all through the winter because I hadn't raced the previous year, so I kind of kept it lit and didn't take much of a break in the winter. So October, November, December, I was building into a nice crescendo of fitness around January. And then I've had to take it back a little bit, really focusing on work into the new year. And now the season has started. I'm in good enough condition to race, but I'm using that race and to bring on my form for those gravel events that are the priorities for me later in the season. And another point, I mean, I really, I get that ego thing, right? As long as your ego can take that little bit of a battering and you're going to be at the back and you can deal with that, it's not going to affect your motivation going forward. People do use races though. Okay, this guy is a little bit out of shape at the moment, but they do use races, even if they have been training, to prepare for targeted races, don't they? That's something that you have with your clients. Like you can use races for sure in a build-up towards a priority events. So if you're thinking of doing a eight-day race, you know, the my target for a long time used to be the Ross, which is now six days, but it was eight days. So a perfect build-up for that would be doing a four-day race, you know, a couple of months out from that. Building up to that, you might want to do a two-day race. So you can sort of reverse engineer the stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, question number two. And this is from Sean Ray Odusa on Twitter. I've booked a bike fitting for next week after listening to you guys. What do I need to know ahead of it to ensure it's done right? I don't think you need to know that much. I think show up to it as if you're going to a bike race, bring in all your kit, bring in your bike. Obviously, I would say the only thing that I would sort of cautionary bit of advice, I would say, bike fit is largely dependent on flexibility. And if you do anything in the days leading up to it, that's going to affect that flexibility, like you're really poorly hydrated or you're not a runner and you decide to go for a six, seven K run the day before, that's going to tighten your muscles and it's going to affect your bike fit. So keep your preparation in the lead up to the bike fit as if it's preparation in the lead up to a bike race itself. And I think you should be fine. Okay, question number three. Is there any resources from the basics of maintaining my bike? For example, how to sort out a flat, how to clean it and grease the chain, etc. And that's from Mills. This is your kind of question, Sarah. You've been going through a little bit of exploration. You want to start some bike maintenance at the moment. And you've been looking around for kind of bike maintenance courses in Dublin. And there's not that many around. It seems like there should be more to sign up. But I think people at the moment have to lean heavily on YouTube, online tutorials, the big blue book was one I learned out of before. And that was before the sort of proliferation of (laughs) uh, YouTube tutorials on it. But there's not that many around that you found, is there? Not really. And so I did sign up to one a couple of months ago, but it was cancelled because the chap was sick or something like that. So if you do Google it, there might be some. If you're a member of a club, they will generally do, you know, the larger clubs will have days where they do basic bike mechanic evenings. And then failing that, I would just ask somebody who's a bit more experienced than you or somebody who has um, a few more years on the bike, the basics of how to do it. You could drop one of the lads in the club a few quid. Like I'm sure if you dropped any of the lads in our club, said to them, here, can I get you a few beers and a couple of coffees? Have you got an hour to show me how to change a flat, clean a bike, change some pads? You know, most people would be pretty obliging. Absolutely, I agree. But yeah, otherwise, YouTube is your friend. For everything. (laughs) And this is from Lammy Lambs. Why do my disc brakes squeal? I'm a seasoned home mechanic and I've tried all sorts. And actually somebody wrote in after that comment saying, Frederick Chris Kulo saying, I second the disc brake question. My brakes have become a high maintenance issue. You think Lammy Lambs is a real name? (laughs) Could be, it's pretty cool. My sister was debating names for our baby for quite a while and Lammy Lambs never got thrown up. <laughs> they have this weird game and it's like uh, it's like Tinder between, you know, my, my sister and her boyfriend. So she'll swipe across names that she likes and if she swipes right on a name and he also swipes right on the same name, it's a match and that gets stored in their thing. I just like, maybe I'm old school, like the phone book is full of names <laughs> and you can just scroll through them. They're in alphabetical order. I remember there was this politician back at home and his name was... Dick Spring. And I used to get not great gas out of looking up the phone book because the last name was first. I'd be like, you're on Spring Dick. This is hilarious. So basically you've always been depraved. Absolutely. Okay, come on. Disc brakes squeal. Yes, it's very, very annoying. I would say disc brakes, in my experience, need to be broken in. That's the first thing to note. Uh, Disc brake cleaners is an industry of only begun to realize exists. 
I got a lend of a mountain bike when I was living in Toronto off the local bike shop. And I remember being, it was a really high-end bike shop and a beautiful mountain bike. And I'd ridden it in the snow for hours. And I was really aware that I wanted to give this bike back to them clean. So I cleaned the top to bottom using some commercial oil-based cleaners. And then I went to pull the brakes and they did not work at all. Oh. Like zero brakes. So the brake pads and everything had to be replaced. So it was a disaster. You need to keep oil totally away from the brakes. Oil, even off your fingers, it really compromises the brake and can cause squeal or it can cause you just not to brake at all. Uh, a couple of other sort of old wise tales that I've seen, but I've never personally tried is if you use something like, and this is probably for acute cases, if you use something like a grinding stone or a piece of sandpaper and scrape off a tin layer of the pad, then acetone the pad and the disc afterwards, making sure you don't touch the pad or the disc with your oily fingers. That has been known to alleviate that squealing breaks, but they are really, really annoying, especially if you're in a group with somebody that has them. Yeah, and what about the disc brake covers? I've seen a couple of people have these on while they're cleaning their bikes. It's just to make sure that there's no oil or anything getting onto the disc brakes while they're cleaning. They seem like a pretty, pretty yeah, neat idea. I actually picked up a set of disc brake covers during the week. I haven't used them yet so because I power wash the bike quite a bit. So I haven't used them yet, so I can't really speak to how good they are. But in theory, they look like a good idea. I don't know, I'm just worried that maybe they're not waterproof, but time will tell. The squealing brake is horrible. It's, oh, it's like a the, like a banshee. It's like it's, nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, it's, it's no bueno. Okay, next question. This is from Michael Gaffney. Question, Sarah. Not for me, but for a mate. I've advised him, but I want to see what you guys think. Michael's trying to catch us out here, Anthony. <laughs> He's struggling to keep up with the group. It's definitely the- him, right? So this, <laughs> I knew oh, you were going to say that. It's not me. I can hold on to the group. It's a mate that gets dropped. Yeah, my mate has this rash. <laughs> <laughs> So he's struggling to keep up with the group on the easy group spin. Should he find a group at his own level? He hangs on, but he's in the red for most of the ride. He's shattered and it takes a few days to recover. This could be about me. I don't want to say to your mate here. (laughs) Michael, your your mate, uh, Michael, just hold your hands up. Be a man. Own this. I think it's maybe a good idea to mix and match and have the group ride not as your only workout for the week. Because if you're going so deep in the group ride that it's killing your motivation for two, three days after because you're in a barrel of fatigue, it's not a good idea. Maybe turn up for the group ride once a month and use it almost like people are using races at the moment and train yourself to improve during the week and at the weekends. And then once a month you can show up and you'll hopefully make that slow creeping progress. Really, it's to sum this up and I hate to be that guy. Get a coach. I would love to know what what Michael's friend is doing midweek, as he said, is he training to improve or is he just showing up once a week and magically by osmosis <laughs> going to get better from being around fellas who are better than him? My advice is a little bit different because I am Michael's friend. I go out on the Saturday spin and I suffer for the entire spin. Anthony looks over at my heart rate monitor. My heart rate is at 175 or up at 180 sometimes. I can just feel him judging me. And I think, but I think you're also a little bit in awe of like how I'm actually hanging in and pushing through. So I am in the red. And what I would say is keep showing up. Learn the route, go every week, 
learn how to ride the wheels, become a smarter rider, pick up all those lovely skills of cornering so you're not having to do those micro accelerations which are going to like absolutely spike your heart rate and understand how to get home on your own. Make sure that you're responsible for your own being, getting yourself home. So if you have to dip after 20 kilometers and get home on your own, show up the following week and I bet you'll it'll be 25 kilometers by the time you dip. But yeah, for me, I think keep showing up and see those improvements week on week. Okay, so this is from Nostra S. Have you already discussed intermittent fasting in a previous podcast? If not, what are your thoughts on it, pros and cons? It's a detailed enough subject to to dip into on using Sarah's terminology now, dip. It's a detailed subject to cover on newbie questions. I think we have previously done a podcast. I'll throw it down on the topics list and maybe we'll do another one on it. I do really like intermittent fasting. I don't do it every day. I So for anyone that's unaware of what intermittent fasting is, it's the idea of fasting for a 16-hour period during the day and eating for an eight-hour period. That's the most common protocol. So you would go, you would have your last meal at like eight o'clock at night. You wouldn't eat all the way through the night. Obviously, you're asleep. Then you get up the next morning, skip breakfast, and your next meal back will be lunch. So you only have a lunch and a dinner that day. So there's a couple of reasons why it works really well for weight management because you have a compressed feeding window. So now we only have six hours a day. Unless you're really pigging out over the course of six hours, it is difficult to overeat your metabolic rate and calories in a six-hour period. There's also something that's maybe a little bit beyond the scope of the newbie questions that happens during a called cellular autophagy. And this is like a cellular cleanup. When our body isn't forced to be constantly processing foods all the time, it can go repairing some cellular structures that are in need of repair. And this is very good for long-term health markers. The downside or the con of it is it can be difficult to get your full allocation of macros across that six hours. So if you look at, we're looking to take minimum a gram of protein per kilogram of body weight each day. So for me, that's like 80 grams of protein per day in a six hour window. That can be a little bit difficult to do. If you're a bigger dude, 110 grams of protein in a six hour window, it starts getting really, really tricky. So I don't also love it for training. If you have intensity to do that morning, it's very difficult to do that on an empty stomach because you're limited glycogen from the night before. So it's something you can use on recovery days, on easy endurance days if you build up to it, but definitely don't be trying it initially on race days, interval days, or really busy work days. I absolutely love intermittent fasting. And actually, Anthony is always given out to me because if I could, I would intermittent fast seven days a week. But for women, you have to be very, very careful in particular because it can totally throw your hormones out of whack and it sometimes isn't the healthiest thing for women to do. So I would say as well, be careful with that if you're a woman and you're looking to intermittent fast. Yeah, we could do a whole podcast about this. The other thing that I absolutely love about intermittent fasting is this like focus and clarity that I have when I'm fasting. Um, My brain's not experiencing those highs and lows and sugar crashes and ups and downs or or sometimes that, you know, that fullness feeling or lethargy that, lethargy? Lethargy? (laughs) Lethargy that you get after eating. So I'm a huge fan, but yeah, it's, it's definitely does have pros and cons. 
Sarah, I'm taking charge of Tech Corner this week because I had a mechanical and then I had a come to Jesus revelation. I went out on a short recovery ride the other day. And in hindsight, and I didn't tell you this part, this was a pre-existing puncture that I had forgotten about. I punctured when we were on the trails like two weeks ago on my gravel bike and the sealant caught the puncture and I pumped it back up. I remember that because the sealant was... Is that when we're on the trail? Yeah, when it was spraying the, everywhere. The spraying back up on my face. And I totally forgot about that. And then I pumped the wheel, the tire, when I went out the door, put a little bit too much pressure in it because I was planning on doing a predominantly road spin on my gravel bike, but decided to take it off-road around the cliffs on Hoat. And I hit the first section and it was like, psh, everywhere. Like the remaining sealant was just gone, tire completely flat. And a friend had recommended a new product called BAM by Muckoff last week. And I was a little bit skeptical of, I've never used this before. I hate CO2 cans because they never seem to work. So BAM is this combination of sealant and air in one canister. It's like magic. It was like, it injects this like latex foam and air into the tire all in one go. So it sealed the puncture and it inflated the tire all in one go. I don't know what to say. It was actually like magic. Now, not the cheapest in the world, but honestly, they are like lifesaver. I'm going to be racing with cans of BAM every gravel race next season. Would you use it while you're racing a road bike? No. No. Well, like you could, like no, because you're if you puncture in a road race, you're out of the race. You're out of the race. But you think gravel and mountain bike, you're going to have it in your back pocket? Well, you're going to have a team car with you in a road race. So you're going to stop and get a, a spare wheel off the car. But gravel, I'm definitely going to be strapping it to the bike for every event I'm doing next season. Happy days. Bam, and the problem's gone. <laughs> Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> That's it, Sarah, signing off. Folks, thanks for tuning in to another Newbie Question. Sarah will be back tomorrow. I'm back again on Monday. Until then, ride safe and enjoy your weekend. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.